Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And today I'm here with the one and only Matt Napo. How are you doing, Matt? I, I'm doing well, Simone. Thank you. And it's great to be with you again. Uh, it's uh, great to be on uh, the other side of yeah. the microphone. We were talking uh, just earlier uh, when we were uh, having a catch up uh, that uh, last time I was, uh, I was on your show, the Mind Dog TV. Um, how many how many episodes you said that you have recorded so far? Last night was my 250th. Actually, I've recorded uh, 258 or so, but uh, there are 10 that are still waiting in the can because of authors, publish, publishers, uh, deals where they don't want to release them until the book is about to come out. So 258 I've recorded, 250 have published. Wow, that, that's insane. That's an insane amount. Uh, like the, the majority of podcasts don't that are published or reach the 10th episode i've seen right. uh, some stats around that and uh, before we start exploring uh, um, a bit more like your philosophy uh well the, uh, my philosophy is to encourage uh independent thinking and free thought and it, I really uh because i it, it was born out of social media what i see on social media all the divisiveness and people um who are get angry over opinions and i thought well there's seven billion people on the planet how come there's only three opinions <laughs> that just doesn't make sense so and everybody was i have the right to my opinion and i'm like well yes you do have a right to your opinion but you should not give it away so quickly and give it up to strangers who and let them do the thinking for you and go around sharing somebody else's opinion and calling it yours. And so my my whole uh, being right now is kind of uh, on that mission to get people to do to think for themselves, it's okay to have your opinion, it's okay to disagree with people. But make sure you're using your own thoughts and your own mind to create your own opinions and, and doing your own thinking for your own self is, is really important, I think. Uh, is, is there any particular episode in your life that shaped this uh, particular view, this particular philosophy? Well, one uh, part of it was, and this, uh, the other part of what I do is is encouraging people to actually live their dream. So yes, uh, uh, an episode that comes to mind where uh, about four years ago now, maybe maybe five years ago, I was, I'm a musician as you know, and I was buying an amplifier, a guitar amplifier off of Craigslist. And a guy had me meet him in a mall parking lot. Mm -hmm. And, and he, uh, I was thought that was weird because with an amplifier, you generally have to plug it in to test it, but okay, I went there and I got there early and I could tell right away, the guy had a lot of money. He was very wealthy and well to do. He pulled up in a very expensive vehicle. He was covered in diamonds and uh, he had a diamond encrusted watch band and his wife was with him. She had uh, diamonds and pearls on us. These people are made, these people have a lot of money. And uh, he got, he confessed to me. He said, I'm very wealthy. He said, I made a lot of money in the stock market and, and commodities exchange. What do you do? And I said, I, I'm a musician, entertainer. And he said to me, you're living the dream. And uh, <laughs> First of all, I, I, I laughed in his face. I, you know what? You don't know my life. You don't know the dues I pay. You don't know what. I'm not rich and famous. I'm not Mick Jagger. I'm not a rock star. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said, but that term, living the dream, you, that's not your words. Those are words that people people come up with. They just catch for I thought, well, that's a really, uh, you know, we fall into that all the time. 
thinking and I started making a film about, first of all, the price it takes to live your dream, which is, uh, you know, all the stuff people don't see. They see you on stage for an hour or four hours, in my case, and they think that's all you're doing. They don't see all the preparation, all the hard work that goes mm -hmm. into every single mm -hmm. one. But then uh, the other part of it is uh, seeing somebody seeing somebody through you know, living their life through their shoes so here's a guy who uh, who is extremely wealthy and i'm admiring him because wow he's 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 made a lot of money in his life and it, he's really a, a successful person and he's looking at me thinking wow he's he's living the dream he's living the life i always want to live and he said that to me he's i mm. he said Listen, I'm 69 years old. I made a lot of money in the commodities exchange. I'm selling you my amplifier. I always wanted to be in a band. This means I'm never going to be in a band. You're living my dream. And to me, that was like a holy moly, what a, a change of perspective for me. I've never seen yeah. anybody yeah. Uh, kind of looking at me in that kind of way. Like I'd want to be, I'd want to live your life. So, and I, it made me think about a lot of things, but most of all was his, uh, was the comment, you're living the dream. I was like, that's a cliche. And then I started looking around and noticing these cliches come up in every part of language. And so it's like, words are your thoughts. And so if you're using other people's words, you, you're using other people's thoughts. So you're not using your own thoughts. And that's, <laughs> this is a, you know, um, uh, hearing, uh, I've heard before the concept of, you know, your, your words are your thoughts, um, but not put in this way. Right. And uh, you're right. Like w when we are not aware of our language, of what we say, and just, just repeating patterns or things that other people said to us, or we listen on TV or other friends said to us, um, that makes it all like a really interesting life. I mean, do you spend uh, like all your time just be aware about what you're saying or not? Or uh, is there a moment where just some moments where you catch yourself? How do you apply this to you into your life? Well, a big advent of social media is the copy and paste, right? So people <laughs> will... People will say, and they will actually say, "These are my. This is my opinion," and then they'll copy and paste it. And at the end of it, it'll say, "If you if you believe in this too, copy and paste it." It's like, well, that is the laziest intellectual thing you could possibly do. So I say, I don't care what your opinion is, but take those words, filter them through your own uh, mind, and put it put them out in your own words and then you'll see if you really agree with that because what i find and yes to answer your question i do almost all day long every day think about this in some context because i have a lot of conversations two podcasts a day and i listen to people talk and i think wow there, there's a cliche what's behind that where so let's dig into in an answer somebody will give me and they'll give me a, a cliche and I'll say, well, let's dig, let's explore that further. And and can you tell me why you believe that in your own words? Not you know, take let's erase the cliche. What does it mean to you? Uh, and because I'm hypersensitive to it now, I hear it all day long. I see it on social media all day long, where people are just uh, using either stock phrases that we just have. Uh, social distancing is one. What it, overnight. I'd never used that phrase before ever. And overnight, the entire planet was using it. True. Why? 
Why? Where did it, who, who said, who flipped the switch and said, we're all going to start saying social distancing now? Rather than, you know, I, and I'm not against the concept of social distancing, but do we all have to call, call it the same thing and get on board and start using each other's words? And once we do, we become autonomous uh, or, or non-autonomous. We become robots, really. I have a curiosity around the, like your music career like your music um path do you do you write songs as well oh constantly I, I you know i'm one of the most prolific writers ever not uh and i most of my commercial work is behind the scenes for advertising jingles and stuff like that but i've written uh over 2000 um <laughs> uh, wow. yeah songs that are you know, commercial pop songs like, or, or intended to be commercial pop songs, rock songs, uh, folk songs, things like that. I write a lot. I uh, put out an album just as COVID was coming out. Really, really smart marketing here. Uh, released March 13th, and we got went into lockdown on March 14th. So, and then people started talking about the depression. So it hasn't sold really well. No, them- <laughs> it's got 18 original songs on it, and that's what I do. I mostly uh you know write produce and and, uh you know my own music and all lyrics and all the music and all that stuff and i play all the instruments on all basically all the productions that's insane um how did your um i want to say even like training or time that you spend writing lyrics which is playing with words Right. right. How did it influence the way you analyze words when you hear them from someone else, for example, uh, on a podcast? Oh, that that's a that's a really good question, because, uh, you know, I learned really early on that in music, especially and, and part of, of the entertainment thing, this is this is really interesting, is that uh, copyright laws are more hypersensitively enforced <laughs> among musicians than any other part of people go so crazy so you can have and this happens a lot if you just have a little segment of a song that sounds similar to another song you're probably going to get sued by the somebody who, who thinks that you stole that music from them. same with a, a lyric or a line or a title even people i've been uh, actually sued over the logo we use we use for one of the bands i was in and you can't and it was a, a 45 symbol from the old 45 records mm-hmm. and i was like that that's a common thing you can't you yeah. can't own that but i was hypersensitive to the idea that somebody might think i'm stealing their lyrics so i need to be as original as possible and make sure that i'm not borrowing lines because this can happen really easily is that you hear something it's part of your your mindset is part of your being you you take it in as a, a part of a, whether it's poetry a line from a movie or whatever and it becomes part of your thinking without you consciously thinking about it and then when you go to write that somehow slips into your writing and you think that's your original thought and it happens all the time there's a word for it and i forget what it is but it's like a comnesia or something like that it's like uh, you know it's like amnesia for creative arts and so basically what it says is that you know you can you can take somebody uh appropriate somebody's else's work subconsciously without even realizing it so i'm really hypersensitive not to do that every time i look at uh, write a piece of uh, a single line of a song i'll look it over and say is that truly mine is it did or did that come from a movie did that come from a, a poet i read uh did it come from a book i read somewhere or did it come from another song where did it come from 
how did, it's fascinating. I love this interview. Um, uh, how, when did you discover you wanted to be a musician? Seven years old. Uh, well, that, that's the first time I play. I actually played a, uh, a gig. <laughs> I was seven years old. So I, I was playing before that. Uh, obviously I didn't do, I didn't just start playing that day, but, uh, I think it was kind of, um, it, I don't know how, when probably three or four years old, I, picked up my first toy guitar and started playing on that but I was playing banjo when I was five years old and by the time I was seven I was playing with a banjo society which was a group of old men uh, I'm seven years old now and everybody in the band is or orchestra is in their 60s and 70s and I played my first gig with them there were 30 piece 30 banjos different types of banjos and they gave me a solo and I didn't even know what a solo meant I'm seven years old. So we were playing a song and I just knew the chords were similar to uh, Skip to My Lou. So I just played the melody to Skip to My Lou for a song. <laughs> I remember that very clearly. And then I remember the applause I got. And, and that made me think that, wow, I, this is the greatest job. If you could get paid for this, this is how I'd want to spend my life because it felt the applause. I don't know, being on a stage and, mm -hmm. and, and being uh, the recipient of an a, a massive amount of emotion coming your way from a group of people. Yeah. It's just an overwhelming uh, high. It's the best drug. I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what got me into speaking. Yeah. Um, I don't have instrument. I mean, I play the didgeridoo when I'm on stage uh, um, and I do beatboxing with the didgeridoo, which is part of the presentation. It's part of the show. I love music myself. Uh, but just like that feeling, that love that you receive from the audience. So when you perform, when you do a good job right. and that you do something that other people enjoy uh, is overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I used to do like 200 speaking gigs a year for the past five years, at least. And that's what I'm missing the most right now. I, I yeah. don't know. Like, uh, do, do you still do gigs at the moment or like uh, it, actually since June, we've been doing them sporadically. I did one this weekend, and I I, I have one coming up this coming weekend. Uh, they are it's a very different experience, and I I've kind of lost um, my drive to do it. I'm doing it because of my my bandmates and, and my my partner who I, I work with when we do duo things uh, are still really excited to do it because it's their only creative outlet. But I have other things like podcasting and stuff like that. But when I've been to the gigs and go out there and we play and it, it's, you know, music, I think, is a vibrational art form meaning that you know it, it, the sound waves matter and people being closer together enforces that feeling of unity within a room so when everybody is separated 10 feet apart 12 feet apart and further and further back you get less of that feeling of we're all in this together and it feels like a very uh disconnected experience and i then, then for me that loses the magic and the magic is what i got into it for i didn't get into it for the money i didn't get in into it for any other reason other than that feeling of mad hey this is us we're creating this together with the audience the audience is part of the band and part of the orchestra they create that feeling and if they can't feel it because they're so far apart and they can't touch each other and you lose so much of that and yeah. it just feels stale and dry uh, i remember one of the um, uh i think it was one of the first public speaking trainings i did 
and uh, they were training us on how to set up the, the room. Because if people were coming to our room for the training, how do you set it up? And one of the things was like, never have, if you can't, like if you can, don't have a corridor in the middle, but right. have the two aisles on the side. Because uh, when you're on stage, your energy and you're in front is going in for the audience. If you have exactly. the corridor in the middle, it's just going to your most powerful moment, which is the center stage. Right. Then uh, it goes uh, in an empty row. Right. Um, and uh, I believe, and I can see when I do gigs where there is a, either the room or uh, is set up with the aisle in the middle, with the with the space in the middle, or with the two aisles on the side, is a huge difference. The audience receives the message different. I feel different. Um, so is uh, I believe what you say is hundred percent, hundred percent. It's about yeah. the vibration that we put out. Energetically, the room is def definitely, uh, ma it matters. The, set the setup of the room definitely matters. And that uh, I think, you know, again, the space between people can matter too, especially in music, because again, it's a vibrational uh, um, art form. And so it's like anything, your conductor loses that space, it has that space, all of a sudden that energy just drops off at that space, wherever it is, whether it's in the middle of the side or whatever, it's just going to drop there and now it has to really get some power up before it gets to the other side and starts going through the other people. It really is that way. And so when people are clapping and singing along and then all of a sudden it's dead space and then you have other, it, those people are less likely to be clapping and singing along after they after it gets to that space, <laughs> wherever Absolutely. it is. What, what's your what's your favorite musical instrument yeah um you know i what i listen to when i'm listening to a record i'm listening to vocals completely uh, mm -hmm. uh when i'm listening to somebody else's recorded music i focus in on the vocals every once in a while i will will kind of go my ear will necessarily go to bass and drums those are my two favorite um uh, because those will hold the thing together i never wanted to play guitar i was always you know uh in the band i'm with now i play guitar almost exclusively uh and i'm the the, the only uh, melodic instrument in the band because bass drums and and singer and and so and guitar and singer so but it i play keyboards i play a lot of things i play horns i play a lot of different instruments in the studio but i prefer to listen to uh the singer and to play drums mostly and then bass bass is my second favorite <laughs> so from uh i mean uh, i i had a passion like i have a passion for music and it's something that uh, has been always part of my, of my being. Um, but I, I remember when I was 14, I was, uh, sing, I, I was singing in like in a rock band we created with a few friends. And oh my God, like, I'm not a great singer, but I was there screaming on that microphone like <laughs> there was no tomorrow. And, uh, you know, like proper, like a, a I'm, um, I was born in the 88, so I'm millennial. And so we had, for, for us, uh, we had all the Green Day songs. <laughs> that, that for us, what, what meant being alternative. And then uh, I, I, got, I got schooled by my father <laughs> about some much more interesting music than the Green Day. Um, uh, yeah, well, we we played Green Day this weekend. I uh, actually uh, the party I played this weekend. I played a tw uh, party for a twenty five year old. Now I'm sixty one. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my band is kind of in my age range, pretty pretty much the same. The girl singer is 27. But uh, so I thought we were an odd choice for, for that band, for a 25-year-old for a birthday party. But they did request a lot of Green Day stuff and, and that, mm-hmm. that kind of So 25-year-olds are... Uh, still listening to that stuff. It's still, still listening, still listening, and uh, go green days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, you also filmmaker. Right. Where does filmmaking fit into the picture? Well, um, it started because I was I was doing a lot of video editing. Uh, I would I fell into that as a day job while I was supporting myself in, in, when I was young doing. Uh, and and this was long before there was computer video, video editing. It was all done on tape, and it was A-B roll editing and things like that, if you know what that means. Mm-hmm. But uh, some of it was done with razor blades, but most of it, it was done non-touching, and you would be have three or four different decks and decks playing together, and you would switch between them really fast and all that stuff to do wow. video editing. And so I thought... Now well, it's a bit easier. Yeah, <laughs> but even then, film was a much easier medium to edit because it was all razor blade you, but with video you if you cut the tape you you kind of screwed there was no taping taping parts like splice tape and splice but with film it was actually razor blade tape and splice which was really easy so before the linear age came upon computers so i got i got an interest in filmmaking then and especially for on, on the editing process and then um you know just working on music videos and stuff like that i started to uh kind of study from traditional filmmakers and then I said at some point I wanted to make my own film and around the late 90s I guess somebody came uh, approached me with a script that it was a terrible script but I thought you know what this is an opportunity to uh to test my own directorial uh ability and I found that I really and I turn a terrible script yeah. <laughs> into something worth watching <laughs> right yeah and working with non-professional actors and you know we, uh so the guy who wrote the script was in it and he got all his friends to be in it it wasn't like we had like quali- quality actors in it so th- it was a challenge but it, in the end i think i did create something that was um entertaining and worth looking at for, even from a non-professional view- viewpoint people looked at it and thought it was a professional film and 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 so you know that was do you really remember great. do you remember the title yeah it was called fiducia uh it was about uh it was a, a mob stuff because you know where i live uh, long island new york uh there's a big gangster culture you know, and i grew up in a very italian american neighborhood where people uh worship the godfather and mm-hmm. goodfellas and so, all those sorry things. sorry if we brought it there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that, that was uh, that was our fault. Yeah. <laughs> to get well, in the US. Yeah, well, you know, every well, I grew up in an area called the American Venice, and it was all exclusively Italian, and all the name all the names of every street were named after uh, uh, famous Italians and things like that. So, and I the town I grew up was called Marconiville, named after the famous yeah. Italian inventor. So, yeah. uh, big Italian influence there. <laughs> yeah. So that that's how we are related. I I knew somehow somehow <laughs> there was a connection here, Matt. There was a connection. Um, so I now from uh, so music, filmmaking, and then uh, the Mind Doc TV show. Um, where where did it started uh, this idea of podcasting? 
Uh, well, that's kind of an interesting story all in itself. In 1988 to 1992, I hosted a uh, radio show called Mind Dog the Magnificent. Because at that time, I was exploring all these self-help stuff. And a big part of the self-help stuff was hypnosis. Uh, as you know, and so I started studying hypnosis and incorporated that into a little bit of an entertainment act doing magic and stage hypnosis. And then uh, I said, well, of course, as you do. Right. (laughs) I I thought a good way to publicize what I was doing was that would be to have a radio show uh, about it because uh, there was a local radio show where I could buy my own time and sell my own advertising and do it as an entrepreneur and make money. And uh, it was an oldie station that wasn't doing well. So they would be glad to have me on it. And I did that. And it became the most popular show on their station. And uh, as part of the hypnosis study, I I was meeting a lot of people who were into paranormal stuff. So I would interview them, like ghost hunters and UFO people. And and they were, it was, so it became Mind Dog the Magnificent Show, basically uh, made up, uh, uh, (laughs) Mind Dog was your mind's best friend. And that came from uh, when I was young, I had the nickname Mad Dog. And I said, uh, you know what, now I'm doing all mental, <laughs> mad, all mental stuff. I'm, I'll just call it Mind Dog. And so, but I got fired from the radio station uh, one night for too much profanity, enough profanity, is any profanity was too much. But they did not have a sec, seven second delay. And I let an F-bomb slip, slip out and we got fined. And uh, they blacklisted me and I could not get a job locally in radio again. I always wanted to get back in radio. I said, you know, I love that time of being able to just, you know, talk to people through a microphone and talk to a lot of people at once. I just love that idea. And so years went by and then uh, I took a lot of day jobs to support my creative arts, marketing directors and stuff like that, and technology directors, you name it, wore a lot of hats within the corporate world. When I decided I had enough of that and wanted to just live my own life and pursue my own happiness and do what I want to do, work for myself, I said, why not not podcasting? It's similar to radio. It's like radio, except it's not uh, live. And so I decided I would I would do that. And then I said, well, live streaming is makes it really a lot more like radio, except people can now watch it. Now it's television <laughs> as well as radio. But so that's where it came from. And that's what, why I'm doing it. And I'm loving it. It's it's almost like and I say my wife says this to me all the time. She's like, you're a different person when you're doing the podcasting. And I say it's because I reconnected with my original purpose. I love the radio show was the the happiest I, I ever was before doing the podcast, and now doing the podcast, it, it feels like home to me. It feels like wow, I should. What, what do you, what do you like about that? Like, what makes it feel like home? Uh, I love uh, talking to interesting people, learning from interesting people, and the the ability just to exchange ideas. Again, it comes back to this, and, and why I started the show was with this idea of independent thinking. People do have opinions. They just don't connect with them. And once, and, and my, I take pride in being able to dig out information from from interesting people that will enlighten not only me but other people listening to say, "Wow, I never thought about it that way." This this guy has an interesting uh, take on things, an interesting viewpoint on the world, uh, and and often people come away with thinking, "Wow, that I never thought and realized I thought that way." The, the people I'm interviewing, yeah. they never yeah. realize that, it, you know, until I get them to 
really articulated beyond the cliches and other people's words what they really think about a thing and and change minds and and that's a really uh gratifying feeling that you can do that and then i, I get a ton of positive email saying wow I, I that really affected me in a in a strong way thank you for having that show and that that means the world to me i mean i'm learning i'm growing and i'm helping other people learn and grow what's uh, better than that <laughs> <laughs> what well, what's better than that what's yeah. better than that and uh, now before i'm saying what's better than that because uh, um that's why that's started, what you do. <laughs> that's what that's what I do. That's why I started podcasting. It is a, a great way to get into people's mind, understand them, um, learn, network, uh, add value to the world, like you name it, uh, there is everything. And yeah. and also I love performing. So I think that any type of broadcasting, there is a smaller or larger element of performance depending on um on uh, on who you are and what you do. And I remember at the beginning of the show, you mentioned, and I'm going to disclose it to everyone here. Uh, don't get upset with me for that. But it was like like your second or third interview from this other side of the microphone, because normally you would do like two shows a day, interviewed in more than 258 interviews, plus all the ones that you've done in radio before. Uh, what do you prefer? This side? Uh or that side? Uh, I definitely prefer being the interviewer rather than the interviewee. Uh, I I tend to um, let my guests talk more uh, than this. I, I'm talking a lot more than I usually do. Um, but in that, that part of it is more listening. I prefer listening and, and responding to what I'm hearing and thinking about what I'm hearing than really having to think about, describe, especially talking about myself and how I got here. I want to write a book definitely about uh, some of the, the crazy experiences I've I want to buy it. I'll tell you right now. Let me pre-order <laughs> it because based on this interview and based on uh, your nickname, which was Mad Dog, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a really interesting book to read. Uh, I, I can promise you that. There are, there are things where I tell people some stories and they say, did you just make that up? Uh, no, it really happened. <laughs> and I actually had my brother call me the, the other night and and say his, his my nephew had told him a story that I had related to him and he he was in shock he couldn't believe it and he but he he, la he laughed the whole time I told him and he was just like really happy to hear about it but um he had no idea that about some of some of the things that happened in my, and every time I tell people about my youth or most of my life and some of the experiences I had, I get a, wow, that's, I never heard anything like that story before ever. <laughs> uh, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm in whenever you're <laughs> releasing it. I'm in. I appreciate that. <laughs> two, I got two more questions before we wrap up. Um, okay. You mentioned earlier that um, people don't know what uh, you have to sacrifice uh, in order to live a certain kind of life or to follow a certain kind of dream. Um, and I got curious. I would love to ask you, uh, what is the biggest thing, if you, if you want to disclose it, um, what is the biggest thing you had to sacrifice to live the life that you want to live? The biggest thing is the, fine, uh, you know, I could have been very wealthy. I, I mean, I was born... Uh, with an aptitude to um, do a lot of good things in every place I worked in corporate America, 
Uh, I, I was promoted very quickly to senior levels of management. I could have made a lot of money. I walked away from a lot of money a lot because I said, you know what? Uh, money doesn't buy happiness and it's not what's making me happy. I know what makes me happy. What makes me happy is the creative arts and independence to do what I want to do. And I could stay in corporate America and become extremely wealthy or I could go my own way. And sometimes that means being not being able, knowing how I'm going to pay the rent next month. Uh, and it, fortunately, it worked out very well. And I've been able to pay the rent enough. Uh, and now I'm I'm okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I made a huge uh, sacrifice just in, in the money. But I've also made huge sacrifices in relationships. Uh, you know, when you're a creative artist, uh, my wife, my current wife, and my forever wife, uh, said, she always says, you know, I wish I wish you would hold me sometimes like you hold that guitar because you, 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 there, you can definitely see the love uh, for what mm -hmm. you do when you're holding the guitar. And a lot of people who are in relationships with creative people feel that, wow, you love your art, you love what you do, what you do more than you love any human being. And I, I, it's not necessarily true, but I can see where that perception comes from. <laughs> That's true. Um, I have conversations like this with my wife too. So <laughs> I definitely, definitely can relate. Um, I have done, it's almost like we are coming full circle before I ask you the last question, mentioning the like people sharing their opinions, um, their their views on uh, how other people sh should live their life or what should do, and I'm assuming them for you walking away from all that money. Did you have people giving freely <laughs> their opinion on like why are you doing this? Oh, why yeah. is that crazy? So yeah, if that was the case, like how did you deal in that moment? Uh, in that moment, uh, basically, I was a rebel. I, I just didn't. I told myself it doesn't matter. They're not living my life. I'm living my life. This is my life, not their life. And so I can't live on somebody else's time. I could have uh, done very well being who somebody else wanted me to be, but I would have been miserable. And so, uh, you know, it comes down to, um, and I learned very, very early on in life from, because I, I was at my grandfather's. Uh, bedside when he passed and he told me you know what N make sure make sure you live the life you want to live because you get to get to this point at the end you don't want any regrets on your deathbed saying I should have I should have done this I should have done that what you want to say is I'm glad I'm glad I lived the life I did I'm glad I made the decisions I did so I always kind of use that as my compass it's like how, where am I going to go I got to make sure that when I get to my deathbed, whatever year that is, whatever time that is, I look back and say, I'm glad I lived the life I lived rather than I wish I would have done. I wish I would have done what people wanted me to do. <laughs> hmm. uh, and uh, for everyone who is listening right now, again, uh, you know, deep inside that maybe you're not living the life that you want to live. That maybe this may this be a message for you. Um, yeah, it's we are, not a dress can, rehearsal. 
<laughs> not a dress rehearsal is the show it is yeah. a, it is the show and what a powerful way to wrap up the show it's almost like literally we went full circle from where we started with your philosophy to here now and uh, for people that want to reach out to you see your work uh, uh, listen to your podcast or watch the live streams what's the best way to reach out to you matt uh, well, they can check out minddogtv.com where the uh, podcast is or therockin45s.com for my music site. That's rockin, R-O-C-K-I-N, no G, 45s.com, rockin45s.com. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. All the links are in the show notes. So make sure you uh, check it out. Connect with Matt. Uh, support his show. Uh, it's a brilliant um that's how we connected uh, uh, connected as i was a guest in one of his episodes and loved the way he was interviewing and i said that you know what i want to learn from you now <laughs> and that's uh, why we are here so make sure you check out uh, uh, mind dog tv show I appreciate your time and, and, and thank you. It's always good to be with you. Always good to talk with you. I prefer asking you the questions, but I'll, I'll take, I'll take, <laughs> well, I'll take it this way if I have to. We might have to do another, like a round two for your show then. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> if I'm you want me back. <laughs> I, I'm always open to have you back. The door's always open, buddy. Wow, that's brilliant. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform, subscribe and leave us a review. You know, the reviews are lifeblood of any show. And uh, um, we put a lot of uh, our heart and soul into these episodes. And so we really appreciate, we really appreciate when we hear your feedback with the review. So uh, please do that. And having said this, I'm looking forward to seeing you next time, next episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show. And remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how we, you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist and as well finally if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together join our private facebook group explode your expert biz again you can find it on facebook at explode your expert biz or the link is in the show note thank you very much for listening and until next time remember that together we grow exponentially